Lori here, and welcome to the Awakening Moments podcast. Grab a cup of tea and let's spend some time together. My co-host Rhonda and I are ordained ministers working together at Life Center Church. We are leaders, wives, moms, and longtime friends. In this podcast, we hope to share some meaningful moments from our lives, everything from lessons we've learned the hard way or how to rise up in the midst of obstacles and insecurities. We will encourage you to take risks and remind you that you are deeply loved and completely worthy. Let's awaken life's most amazing moments together. Today, we want to talk a little bit about our own relationships with our moms and how we've been affected by those relationships, both for the good and maybe even for the bad, like the ways, the things we've had to learn. Um, And just unpack a little bit about, you know, what, what does it look like to have a good relationship with your mom? What if you don't have a good relationship with your mom? You know, how can you navigate that? And, you know, as Mother's Day, you know, has recently happened, I think it's really important because our mothers shape a lot of who we are. And uh, I think it's a worthy, worthy conversation. It is. And I've heard, I've heard it said that the same sex parent is the greatest influence and role model in your life. So as women, our mothers have been the greatest role models in our lives. That's, that's very, very true. Very, very true. I know for me, um, you know, I've, I would say in my own words that I've always had a good relationship with my mom. My mom and I have gotten along quite well, although through the teenage years, I was a pain in the behind. Like, honestly, I had some serious attitude. And when I think about how I was as a teenager and how I treated my mom, I'm so ashamed of myself. Like, honestly, I've apologized to my mom a million times for just being like, oh, whatever, mom, you know, this kind of... (laughs) Oh my goodness, just, ah, I hate it so much. Anyways, anyways, my mom doesn't really remember it. She's like, no, you were wonderful. She doesn't even remember, but I remember. I was I was terrible. Um, but no, I've, I've always had a pretty good relationship with my mom. And I think that's largely because of the kind of person my mom is. I don't think that I can take credit for that, really. It's just really the kind of person my mom is. She is like very, very sweet. She is funny. She loves relationship and loves people. She, um, she's a servant of all, like she really is a servant of all. She just loves to serve and help and anything she can do for you. Uh, she will. And so because of those things and because she's, she's kind of easygoing and adaptable, really anywhere, you know, we've, we've had, we've had a pretty good relationship most of our life. Yeah. And I would say the same for myself. My mom, I think it was grade seven to eight. I, my mom said I woke up one day, a completely different person. And for a year I was awful to her. I actually remember going into a room. I can't even believe this. I think of now as a mom, if my kids did this to me, I would lose my mind. I would go into a room every morning and sit on her bed at like six 30 in the morning and say, what do I wear? Mom, what should I wear today? And she'd give me like 10 options. I'd be like, ew, no, I'm not wearing that. That's so disgusting. Mom, I came up, I would go on and on. Finally, she'd be like, would you please get out of my room and go pick something to wear? I I would not have been that gracious every day. And I treated her so bad. Same as you. I remember like looking back, I actually remember being like that. And I apologized to my mom too. Being like, mom, I can't believe I did that to you. Faye. 
she, we call her like, she is like a little saint. She's the sweetest person. My mom and I are very different. I was raised in a German home and my mom is East coast. When you think, when I think of East coast, I think of homemade bread, date squares, baking and cooking, loves a cup of tea and coffee. My mom was a stay at home mom, gentle, kind, like your mom, Laura, our moms are best friends. So I saw your mom too, the same would do anything for anybody. And for us kids, we get home from school. My mom would make us a snack. She'd have tea, literally leave it to Beaver. If anyone, I may be dating myself, but that old show, that was my mom. She literally loved to serve our family. And that was actually one of her greatest joys was to serve our family. And she loved being a mom. Like she loved being home. My dad was a tradesman. So he worked a lot of hours. He was gone quite a bit during the day till pretty much supper time. Supper was ready when she got home, coffee poured, but she just was the most humble, selfless person. I think one of the greatest role models to me of humility I've still met in my entire life is my mom. And I can be, I, like we were just joking before we started the podcast, my mom is a better mom, I think, than, than I am. I feel like that. When I look at my mom, she literally is a gift. I was just given that. I was just given this beautiful gift to my mom. And we were both saying that, like, that's why our kids, I think our kids, like your kids with your mom, my kids love to be with my mom because she cooks their favorite dinner. They get in the house. She has like lit candles, has her favorite jelly beans, whatever. She just thinks so thoughtfully for them. And uh, that would actually be the essence of my mom. This human, like just a human that is so humble and thoughtful and kind is my mom. My mom is the same. Like... You know, I know our moms are different people, but, you know, when my mom comes to visit, she lives far, far away from me. So I don't see her all the time. She's not in my life every day. But uh, when she comes to visit, she'll stay for a week or two weeks. My kids love it because she literally gets up early in the morning. She makes them fresh pancakes every single day for breakfast. Like seriously, or made to order breakfast, egg sandwiches, whatever their favorite thing is. And she has it ready for them. Like they're literally like, oh, Nana is the best. Like I would, I do not do that. I'm like, you guys are teenagers. You can make your own. I made your breakfast for like 10 years. You can make your own breakfast now. Like, no, this is not happening. My mom just like goes overboard. She does all their laundry. Like it's, it's crazy. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun for them. They they love it. You know, one of the things that's so interesting about that personality, though, of a mom is that, you know, there's this other side to the coin where, um, you know, and the one thing that I've, uh, you know, if there's something that I've always wished or been, I, I don't even know what the right word is. Like, I want to say frustrated, but it's not frustrated. But I, my mom she doubts herself and she has a hard time standing up for herself or making a decision. And that's always been like, mom, like, would you just make a decision? And, you know, I, I've been doing a little bit of reading about the Enneagram. I'm not going to get into all of it, but I've been doing a little bit of reading about it. And there's this one part in the Enneagram that talks about your childhood wound. And so I read this very interesting thing. So I'm a seven on the Enneagram for those who know the Enneagram. And um, in the in the childhood wound or the original wound that comes from each number, it has to do with the mother. And it has to do with the mother um, that usually the mother of a seven is one who has doubted themselves 
and has had a hard time making decisions. And so it creates an insecurity in the child where the child has to choose um, their own pathway, becomes very, very independent and has to find security on their own independently because how the mother second guesses herself and the child can sense that. So there's a wound there and the child has to kind of figure it out on their own. And as a result of that becomes hyper independent. And when I read that, I was like, first of all, when I read the childhood wound came from the mother, I was like, there's no way, there's no way. My mother has loved me wholeheartedly her whole life. She is the kindest thing. We've always had a good relationship. There's no way. But as I started to read it and as I started to understand it a little bit more, and then I started to think about the one thing I would say about my mom that, oh, I just, I just wished that she could have modeled for me how to really stand up for yourself and how to like make decisions for yourself. It's, it's always, always come back to that one thing. I'll always say to my mom, mom, just make a decision. Just make a decision. What do you want to do? I don't know. Whatever you want to do is fine. No, mom. Like, I just want to know, what do you want to do? She like just will constantly put off to somebody else what they want to do comes over what she wants to do in every single situation. So I, yeah, that's definitely affected me as, you know, I guess a child, but also growing up and, you know, how I've chosen to take on the world as a result of that. It's so interesting because our kids are going to have the same thing about us. You know, yes. we look at it, but I, like you, Laura, like my mom, I, I forgot to say we had a wonderful relationship after that one year of me being crazy you know, as teen, I, I was actually, we got along beautifully. My, I'm a very strong personality. My mom was just very, she just loved to serve. So it kind of, kind of worked in that way. But looking back, I can see that for my mom and I, the one thing with my mom, and she knows this because I tell her this all the time, she makes herself small. She diminishes. And I'm not talking about spiritual gifting. I'm not talking about, you know, her role, maybe not you know, being on stage or leading groups and leader. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what she adds and the value she brings. She minimizes that often. She'll say, oh, well, it's not as, you know, oh, it's nothing. Or what you're doing is so much greater. Or I can't believe you came from me. Look what you're doing. And I have to say, mom, like what you have done, I came from you. I came from you. Like this is who you are. We have different giftings. But the depth that you've imparted into me I have mentored and learned from you and I am still looking to you and I, I don't feel like she sees sometimes her worth and her place. And I looking now, like you're saying that, like how you've maybe it's triggered you. It's probably made me more driven to be more powerful and asserted myself for power because I think my mom gave it away so easily in diminishing, I'm not talking about serving, but her diminishing of the worth she was bringing that I did it the opposite by driving to be powerful, that no one could take my worth away, whether it was recognition, the titles of my name, education, whatever it may be, it was about maintaining power. And so I think that's a neat twist you're talking about, Laura, how that affects dysfunction in our lives, not because our parent, oh my goodness, my mom, even probably hearing this, she'd probably start crying because she would never want me to hurt or go through anything painful. But we all are triggered in a different way because God has made us that way with a lot of areas that need healing. But in seeing that, my mom diminishing herself, whether in her role as a mom, 
her role in the church, her role in people's lives made me say, well, I'm never going to be like that. Like I'm going to be powerful. And that's how I've approached it. Wow. That's really interesting. I feel like we're having a little therapy session right we now. We are. Wow. Aha. <laughs> Aha uh-huh, uh-huh moments. No, that, that's really, yeah, that is really, really something. You know, when I, when I think back to how it has affected me, I, I don't know that I've approached it the same way in like demanding, you know, power or to be powerful. I think I've been frustrated by my own lack of um, asserting myself throughout my life as well. Um, just accepting things the way that they are and, um, you know, not not asserting myself. And I think I've been frustrated with my own self as well, um, you know, as that has been modeled for me. Um, I've been frustrated by that. And it, it is very interesting how our relationship with our mother shapes us, you know, for many like I'm a lot like my mom and we look alike as well and have similar mannerisms as well. And so for, I remember for a number of years, kind of throughout my twenties, I, I loved it when I was younger. I like, I loved identifying with my mom and got a little bit of an identity out of being so much alike, looking alike, acting alike, sounding alike. But as I kind of went into my twenties, I remember feeling like, I hate when people say I look exactly like my mother. You're, you're your mother. I, I hated people putting that on me. Because I just wanted to find my own identity. I didn't like that. I, I felt like I'm not my mother. I, I'm actually my own person. And I'm very different from my mother as well as I am like my mother. But I, I just remember feeling like, oh, and there it comes back to that mini me, right? I wanted to have a baby to have my own mini me. But at the same time, my mini me's in all of my kids are also very much their own persons. And, you know, I wanted to discover who I am, like separate from my mother, separate from. And so throughout my 20s, I remember just kind of figuring that out, kind of breaking free. And it really did help that I moved away and I got away from my family of origin and lived in a totally different city. And throughout those years really did blossom as a human, you know, kind of coming out from under the, I don't know what it is, but like the expectations of the family, just who you are in the family system, moving out from that and kind of moving away and then really letting God begin to define who I was and really leaning into that. I've just uh, blossomed into, I think, who God always created me to be. But I think that would have been harder to do if I would have maybe married someone from my hometown and stayed under the umbrella of my family of origin. I think it would have been harder for me to figure out my own unique identity in the world, you know, because of how, how much me and my mom were alike. It's so true. When you think of where you've blossomed, like I, I don't even like to hear that because I think, are my girls going to have to move away to blossom? Oh, I know. But you think that obviously you realize, well, we talked before in a podcast that our kids are not ours and we realized, you know, that is one of the gifts I think my parents did give me as a young child. I was doing crazy music stuff, traveling all over. I think I traveled for three months between 15 and 16 years old. I moved away to university, moved to Ottawa. I felt that is a gift. You saying that, Laura, about blossoming on my own. My parents did give me that, that gift like your parents did too, because some parents, they're, I can understand that now being a mom. I'd be like, no, you're not moving far. You're not going to school in BC because you're going to live out there. No, you know, I can hear that now at the time. I'd be like, that's crazy. Let your kids be free. But now that I'm getting closer, I'm like, oh no, you just move next door. I'm okay with that. But 
all that to say, I, I would say my parents did give me, my mom gave me a gift to be free. She wanted me to blossom. And like your mom, knowing both of our parents, that was, that's exactly where I blossomed the most is when I actually moved out and I became my own person. And I'm not talking, I have to move cities, but just even moving out, my parents were always encouraging me like the independence, like it's time. I want God, whatever he has plans for you. And that was something my mom always infused in me that there was great plans that God has was my greatest cheerleader. And, um, and I, I think that is the gift that I really pray that I give my kids that my mom gave me. I don't think it's as easy for me to give to my kids than it was for my mom because and I feel a little bit in her feeling small. It was like she she almost, I don't even know how to say it. I, I feel like when she saw me move away, it was like doing bigger things than she ever would have done herself. Even though when I look back in her life, she did extraordinary things like moving away from her home and did totally, we'll get into that later, but totally changed the way that her life was going with God. But I feel like because she, she almost wanted not to live through me, but it was kind of like that. Like it was an excitement to see me go and do all these things that she never had a chance to do. And I wanted power. So it worked out great. I just went for it. My mom was always supporting me. And, and since we're still talking about how maybe those triggers have happened outside of power, the other thing with my mom and I, in our relationship, we are very close, but I have to be very careful not to dominate my mom. And it's a very interesting dynamic with my mom and I, because I am can be very assertive. I don't feel like I'm aggressive, but I can be very assertive. With Jesus, I've become assertive. Without Jesus, I think I'd be a very aggressive person. Well, actually, I just want you to know that you are number three on the Enneagram, and that is one of the aggressive personality types. So it's okay if you don't want to identify yourself as them, but just six, sevens, and and eights, and threes are the aggressive. Okay, so sorry. Okay, so I need to just I need to receive that. It's okay. It's okay. Aggressive, but in that with my mom, like because I don't want to just go on to like all the good. But to say a part of the dysfunction I feel in my own life when I relate to my mom because she doesn't always see her worth is I can dominate and I can make decisions for her and I can manipulate in that way. I can literally rule uh, rule her, not meaning to, because she so wants to honor. Get what you want. Exactly. Get what you need. Manipulate. So with power can come manipulation and can come those things. So even as an adult, I recognize that my mom is floundering in what she wants to do. It's not my time to make a decision for her. I actually have to take and pull out of her like, mom, and help her make those decisions to say, you are worth making a decision here. I want to bless you, you know? So my, my relationship, my mom can easily go to a place of dominating her and manipulating her. And that just breaks my heart. Even when I think about it, but I have done that. And sometimes I catch myself saying, well, I'm just going to make this decision for her. Like, I'm just doing this. I'm and she'll just go along with it happily, but it's probably not, it's often not exactly what she'd want to do. And there's a way better doing it with, with her instead of to her. And, uh, so interesting dynamics, eh? Yeah, that's, when you're really, so that's different. really powerful. And I think for you to be able to be self-aware in that relationship, that's really, that's really powerful. And really that's the best thing that you can offer her. You know, I think when I think about having a good relationship with my mom or with your mom, you know, when, when we have good relationships with our mom, like it takes, 
the decision of both people. It takes the de- you have to make a decision as a daughter to have a good relationship with your mom, and you have to the mom has to make a decision to have a good relationship with the daughter. And both of those parties actually have to lay down some of the frustrating dynamics in the relationship in order to come together on the things where you can come together on, because there's dysfunction and the challenging dynamics in every mother-daughter relationship. It's not Mm -hmm. like it's never perfect. Even when somebody says, oh, my mom's my best friend or me and my mom get along so perfectly. That doesn't, that doesn't mean there's not stuff there. There's stuff in every single, you know, mother-daughter type of relationship stuff that can be super challenging stuff that can actually really hold you back. I'm sure there are things that you just don't even you know, that some people don't even tell their moms because they know exactly what their mom's going to say about it. And so they just choose not to go there with their moms. You know what? That's all very, very normal. But as daughters and as mothers, you know, we both have to make a decision to come together in relation to lay down some of the things that are maybe not as healthy or maybe not what we want to focus on in the relationship in order to get along and in order to keep moving forward together. It's so true. I know. And as we're doing this podcast, we're writing down the questions and we're thinking, what do you say when someone doesn't have a good relationship with your mom or, you know, the mom has passed away. And even just thinking about that, I almost want to start crying. Cause I think my mom has been such a gift in my life that I, I can't imagine not having her in my life and not having had that role model, such a beautiful woman of God. You know, and she, her life could be very different. She could be a very different mother. And that question kind of got me thinking, because I know we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end, to encourage pe- women that don't have a great relationship with their mom or perhaps her mom has passed away and mm-hmm. they, they feel motherless. They really do feel motherless. But looking at my mom in that context, I'm thinking about my mom. She did not have a good relationship with her mom. She could have been a very different parent. But my mom made a conscious decision that she was not going to be like her stepmother. Her mother passed away when my mom was very young and had a very, very difficult relationship with her stepmother. And, you know, I, my mom is nothing like how she was raised. And that goes to show there's hope that no matter what your life has been and what those generations have been, you can turn it. Now, she gave her life to Jesus. I don't, I don't believe without Christ, she could have done what she's done as a mom. I, that, I believe that would not be possible, but she gave her life to Christ when I was born. And my mom has literally transformed our whole family. My poor mom is the most gentle and she raised three strong headed German kids that debated around every single supper table. I think she probably left that room huffing and puffing, like trying to breathe through the anxiety of hearing turmoil. (laughs) But we just loved to debate. We were all so strong. My poor mom and my dad rose to the occasion to to really go for it with these arguments. But my mom literally had a heart to bring peace and to bring a home of harmony. And even with these strong personalities in our home, very strong European, really dominant personalities, she did that. She actually, with God's grace, has a gift of peace. And she brought peace and harmony where all of us siblings love each other. We have beautiful relationship as a family. Yes, our, do we have our issues? Absolutely. Like you said, Laura, where nobody's perfect. No matter what Facebook tells you, no matter what you perceive when you see our family, even at church, even though Faye's pretty close, if you know my mom, she's pretty close to perfect. You know, she really changed the whole tide 
of where her life could be. And I could be sitting here saying, I have a very dysfunctional relationship with my mom, but she made a conscious choice to change that for me. And that I'm so grateful for. That That's incredible. And my mom has done the same thing. I mean, my mom came out of a very, very dysfunctional family of origin. And, um, but what's incredible is that, you know, for all of my mom and her siblings, seven siblings, like they have all had very strong marital relationships, great families, amazing kids. Like it's been unbelievable what those seven kids have been able to build out of what was a very dysfunctional home, although a loving home. They were loved for sure, but lots of dysfunction, alcoholic father, you know, just a lot of unhealthy dynamics in the home and in the home life. Um, but my mom too made a decision that she was going to uh, raise us differently, raise her family differently. And she also left home at a very young age. I think she was maybe 19, moved many, like far, seven, eight hours away from where her family was by herself, did not know a soul and just started a life for herself as a young, young girl. She ended up meeting my dad and they got married and had five kids. But I know that their decision to follow Christ played a huge role also in the kind of family that she was able to raise um, I, like like night and day, night and day, because her our family began similarly to her family with my dad, you know, uh, doing many drugs, probably an alcoholic. Um, and that was the home I was born into. But uh, about the age of seven, my parents gave their lives to Jesus, had a radical, radical conversion to Christ and ended up totally turning their lives around. And it did just change even the how of how they wanted to raise us. Now their focus and their goal was to raise us, to love God, to be honest people, to, to be people, men and women of character, you know, to grow up, to make a difference in the world. And, um, and yeah, that shaped, you know, that shaped everything that changed everything. And so a relationship with God really can, really does transform everything. And so for all of those who are listening, who don't have a good relationship with their, their mom or with their parents, or maybe have come out of a very dysfunctional type of relationship, there is absolute redemption in Christ, like redemption in Christ beyond what you could even imagine. Like he will give back to you all that has been taken uh, from you. Every single person, you know, should have been raised in a loving environment, a loving, supportive environment. That's, I think, what God intends in when he puts family together. But you know, the enemy robs that and, but God can restore and redeem it. Absolutely. 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 And, um, and bring healing to that and bring positive role models into your life that can replace even that important role, the influence of a mother. You know, I think that there are women in the church who, uh, you know, who just love on people, uh, just just genuinely, unconditionally love on people. And, you know, if you don't have a positive, a positive female role model in your life, you know, I just encourage you to find one of these women that just want to love on you and just to pour into, pour into your life in that way and just be able to show you that love and support that I think God always intended for, yeah. for each one of us to have. Because mm -hmm. we don't have to live motherless in that relationship. You may have a physical mother that's present, but you don't have 
it's very dysfunctional. Your mom might have passed away. You don't, but you don't have to live motherless because mothers can be there to mentor you. And that's such a nurturing relationship. No matter how old we are, you know, that, that place is really precious. And when we haven't been mothered or we're going through a lot of healing, it's beautiful to have women that have that gift to step right into those spaces and just to love us through it, nurture us through it. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. That's what our moms do so beautifully. And, and it's beautiful. Like my mom built a totally different life. And I would say in our own, in my own life as a mom, I haven't completely done things different than my mom because she was such a beautiful role model. And it was so easy to build from that. She had to start from scratch. She really had to stretch. I don't even know how she learned how to do, but by the grace of God and by being surrounded by a lot of other women, like our moms met like in a new believer class and we were raised together. And I remember my mom with your mom having coffee all the time, sitting at the table for hours. Now as children, we had no idea why they were talking in the kitchen for hours. Now as a mother, yes, they were bouncing things off. And my mom's talked about that, like praying together, bouncing things off, talking, so even as mothers, having women around us, we don't have to do that alone. And that does feel something in your life too. When you don't have a mother to call for advice, you don't have someone to maybe that you know right away, a strong relationship to look up to. You have women around you. And that's we talked about life groups. We talked about getting connected. It's so, so important. And in raising my kids, I feel like I see much of my mom. I wish I saw a lot more of my mom. We're very different because she's so gentle and kind and nurturing. But I definitely see a lot of my mom in my parenting. Uh, my mom, as much as she's, gent she's gentle, there's certain things her back would go up on. And character is a big thing. Your word given, your word kept, commitment, disrespect. Like we didn't walk over my mom. I want to be clear here. Like Faye did not let you walk over her. But she was, it was, her battles were picked very wisely. It took a lot to get my mom stirred up. And when you did, you felt so bad because it wasn't like her. And you just realized she would really cross the line. But she, um, I, I really am so grateful. I have so many, I have so much to build from. It's like, I don't have to start from scratch. I'm building another level to a story of our family history. Whereas my mom had to literally start with the foundation with Christ and build. Whereas I feel like I'm building story number two. And that's a beautiful thing. I have a solid foundation of Christ, a solid foundation of my parents. And I'm building story number two. Yeah, it may look a little bit different. I'm a working mom. My mom wasn't a working mom. Very different skill set, very different strengths. But I'm building on what she's built. And I think I want my mom even to hear that and other women to hear. Your children, their lives may look very different than yours. But they're building not from scratch. And what a gift that is, eh, Laura? Absolutely, absolutely. And our kids are building story number three. Wow. What a foundation. What a foundation they get to build from. No, I love that. You know, one of the gifts that I hope that my kids give me is I hope they give me the gift of believing that I did the best I kn I knew to do as a mom. And I think that's a gift that we have to give our moms, no matter what kind of moms we had, that they, they did the best they knew to do with the tools they had. And, you know, when I think about, again, our moms and the tools that they were given, wow, they really did the absolute best they knew to do. And, 
And so for that to be able to give them the gift of believing that I think is such a gift, such a gift. Yeah. In our relationships. And as you even go back in the generations, the tools just get less and less and less and less with, you know, just how things were. You know, one of the other interesting dynamics in our household was even just the, uh, the, um, I guess, patriarchal, um, you know, family structure that was there, you know, um, both of our fathers were German. And again, this is all that they knew that, you know, and, and my mom also did my, my mom had the, um, the gift of being able to stay home with us for most of my life. Later on, she did get a job later, but she was home. So, you know, her main job was to serve the family and she loved it. She loved that job. She loved being able to stay home and serve the whole family. But, um, you know, I, I just remember being an older teenager and kind of recognizing what appeared to me like a little bit of unfairness in how this family system worked. And, you know, even to the point where one day, you know, my mom was preparing dinner and getting everything set up for us and we're all sitting at the table and she's kind of running with a chicken, like a chicken with her head cut off. And uh, she just sits down and my dad says, oh, Barb, can you get me a glass of milk? Like she's literally just sat down and all of a sudden, and I don't even know why on that particular day, I just realized like this was a grave injustice. Like what is happening here? And I looked at my dad and I mean, you just, you don't speak to your father this way in our house, but I just looked at my dad and I was like, what's wrong with your legs? Get up and get your own milk. And my dad looked at me like... Like, I, I think my dad was so shocked. Like, he didn't say any words, but the look that he gave me was, like, death. <laughs> like, just, you don't do that. But I just remember, like, all of a sudden, something rose up in me. Like, this isn't okay. Like, we can't, like, yes, I understand that, you know, we all have roles within a family, but, like, it's we're not to treat my mom like a slave, like a maid that exists to serve us all. And, um, you know, and I think as I grew and then, you know, started my own family, I just knew that that was not going to be how it was going to be in my family. I'm laughing because I'm thinking so, I'm thinking of your dad and my dad, their best friends and how that would have gone over my house too. But I remember having arguments with my dad similar probably it was like you in my teens like around 16 17 when I started noticing like why does mom do all the housework does all the cooking cleaning everyone just sits down and she pours no one's pouring her a cup of coffee I remember having some of those I might not have been I might have been a bit more subtle but I remember having those conversations with my dad at the table too like feeling like what Mom has been doing all this, and even my brothers got off the hook compared to me. Okay, I'm not using this as a venting station, but I'm saying I was, like, recruited to do all this stuff, and my brothers were playing video games. It was just a mentality. It was just a different mentality. We also lived in a city that was heavy with European, that whole way of structure of raising a family, and I love that my mom had the gift of staying at home, too, but there was this... We took advantage of it, and then all of a sudden, I was recruited, and I was thinking, "What in the world?" You're like, "Forget that! Forget that! What's wrong with Mark? Get him up the stairs!" You know. Anyway, I remember thinking the same thing when I do get married. I want it to be a bit more of a partnership, and I don't want to be doing that all the time. 
And maybe I've taken it to another extreme with Jamie. I don't know. He serves me beautifully, but I don't know if I'm always as gracious to go and get him a cup of tea or a cup of water. But all that to say, it really was something I shifted in our family as well. And my mom will sometimes say comments like that. She'll say, it's incredible to watch how hands-on Jay is because that was not how it, I don't think my dad even did a diaper. But our husbands, yeah. they were thrown in. Like that was it. It yeah. wasn't even, oh, you're you're at home. So you do all of that. It was not like that it was like what we were available to do at the time we did together. So. I think it's a funny thing though. Like even to this day that, you know, your parents or my parents look at our husbands and if they see them standing at the sink doing dishes, like they think they're such a saint. Wow. Look at how he helps around the house when like we equally work, we have all equal responsibilities. Nobody, when we're standing at the sink says, wow, look at you washing dishes, taking care of your family. Well, it's just so interesting how even over all of those years, just these, you know, very set in roles and expectations of roles. And, you know, when you see a man doing dishes, it's like, wow, what a great husband he is. But it, and it's not the same for it's like, no, you better as women, you better have all the dishes done, all the laundry done, make sure the meals are ready, make sure the, you know, fridge is packed with food, work full time, you know, take care of all the children's needs, make sure you drive them to all the doctor's appointments, all the, and, and never, not ever go like, wow, what a great, what a great mom you're doing. No, it's like, if dad brings the kid to a doctor's appointment, it's like, what a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> It's so terrible. Our moms would be, they'd be like, yes, yes. And our dads would be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) This is crazy talk. But no, it's so funny. It's true. But our generation has broke in our family line. I feel like looking back through the generations. Now, I don't know. But I do know my Oma, like all that she did, and it was similar, like did everything, moving to Canada, even worked three jobs as an immigrant to Canada, you know, when my dad moved here when they were little. And I think like, but still had to cook, had to clean, had to do it all. And so I think that's something that we've built a little bit different on um, story number two. Now, whether there's different things that we're building that our kids will also do different, absolutely. But that would be probably one of our takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Interesting. It is going to be interesting to see what kind of a home our kids are going to create, what they're going to take from what they've learned from us and what they're going to be like, wow, it is not going to be They might go old school. They might go right back to the way it needs to be. It's true. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. You really don't know. Okay. So what would you say to somebody who maybe even has lost their mom or just has a really complicated, really difficult relationship? with their mom, what encouragement would you maybe give to somebody in that situation? Uh, well, if I was to speak to someone who had a complicated relation with their mom, I love what you had said a few minutes ago that acknowledging, I think it starts with acknowledgement that they did the best that they could with what they had. And it was probably like, I have no idea those listening their stories, but that acknowledgement when you look at that parent and what they had or where the addictions were, where that came from, it came out of a place of such brokenness, not intention to hurt, but such brokenness that could have come across as a great intention to hurt. And I guess the first gift you could give yourself is to acknowledge that and to ask God to heal that in your heart. That's the first step, I believe, is acknowledging that, that there was never a tent probably to hurt you, even though it maybe have come across like that, but of such brokenness that God can redeem that in your life. And if there is a place where they have a talking relationship with your mom, maybe it is just that acknowledgement. Thank you. 
thank you for raising me. Even the gift of gratitude, finding something. I don't know, like that we were always well-dressed. I don't know, finding something. You know, I remember um, a girlfriend of mine had a very difficult relationship with her mom, but she said, you know, we were always clean and we were always like dressed. Like we, we always didn't have, go without having clothing, like holes in our, my mom would fix it. Like it was always, we were always clean and dressed. Start somewhere. You know, I think it's just acknowledging, asking God to help you see a little bit different, have a heart of, to say thank you for something would be that. And if your mom has passed away, I think maybe there's something you can do every year to just honor that, what your mom has done in your life of acknowledging, having a moment to sit down and to talk to someone about it and to just acknowledge the gift that she's given you in, in your life now that you're living. Maybe she's not here to tell her, but maybe something you can do physically every year as an acknowledgement of your mom. Maybe it's intentionally having a time where you sit as a family and you once again, talk about that. I think that's a gift to relive the gift that her mom has been. Um, and if it was a difficult, you know, it's also, we talked about finding women around you that have the gift to mother you and love you that don't have to be biological, but can come from the heart. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. I think that's really good. You know, it's a difficult uh, topic to tackle because mm -hmm. the reality is that every single relationship is so unique. There's mm -hmm. so many different nuances um, to our relationships with our mom. And so we don't want uh, to come across like, you know, it, yeah. yeah, or that mm -hmm. any one way is mm -hmm. the right way or the best way or anything like that. This is obviously, we can only speak from our own experience, but we definitely want to acknowledge that uh, relationships with our moms are complicated, can be extremely complicated, and can have various levels of dysfunction. And and the truth is that you know your relationship with your mom could be so dysfunctional or so toxic that it actually isn't healthy for you to be in a close relationship or close proximity to your mom. And if that is the case, I just want you to know that that's actually okay. That actually healthy boundaries could be the most loving thing that you can do for your mom if there's some codependency there or if there's just some really unhealthy abusive dynamics that are happening between you and your mom. I just want to give you permission to be able to set healthy boundaries and just to be able to say, you know what, this isn't good for my heart. This isn't good for my soul. This isn't good for me as a person or even how what I'm bringing into, you know, if you're a mother yourself. So just give yourself permission to, if you need to, set up those healthy boundaries um, around your relationship with your mom. And, you know, I think, I think, as Rhonda said, pursuing a journey of healing and just in whatever ways your mom has not been there for you or your mom has hurt you or your mom continues to hurt you, to really surrender all of that to God and let God bring healing and understanding around that is the greatest gift that you can give yourself and your ongoing future relationships, whether that's with your kids, whether that's with just your friendships or, you know, any other relationships that you have in your life. So just go there. I really encourage you as hard as it is, go there and let God uncover some of that pain and how that pain has affected you. And maybe where that pain is holding you back in your life, just go to some of those places and let God bring healing because he absolutely can bring healing and he absolutely can restore and redeem all that's been lost. I, I can't say that enough. Um, you know, all that you have experienced as hard as it may be, God can absolutely redeem it all. And he can bring this sense of peace and wholeness to you despite 
all that has happened to you. And so I just encourage you to keep seeking out that freedom journey. Um, but yeah, but don't feel like, oh my goodness. I, I just, I think at the, at the end of this podcast, I just would not want you to live, uh, with this overwhelming thought, like I'll never have that kind of relationship with my mom. That may not be the goal for you. That may not be the goal for you. So if that's not, if that's not going to be possible for you, that's okay. That's absolutely okay. You can have meaningful relationships in your life. You can have meaningful friendships. You can be an incredible mom despite that. And you can have incredible mentors that fill that role um, of someone to be able to learn from and look to and have conversations about around parenting and around how to just grow and heal. So I just encourage you to keep, um, yeah, giving it to God. Keep I love giving it that, to God. Lord. And I love that the goal is not to have this ideal, that's wonderful, but it is not everyone's picture. And I love that you give people, you just said that, giving people permission that sometimes it is those boundaries to say we can't have that type of relationship because of the relationship it is. And at the end, like I can, like you and I can't speak from that personal experience gratefully and our moms can, well, my mom can. And I remember, you know, I just, as we're kind of closing in here, I, I remember saying to my mom, like, what would you, how would you say like your stepmom influenced you? Like, what would you be thankful for? And I remember one day my mom saying to me, I don't even remember, even remembers this. She said, if that didn't happen, I don't know if I would have come to Jesus. I was so desperate for Jesus and he changed my life. And sometimes from the pain we've come from brings us to right to the foot of the cross. And to hear my mom say that, I thought this is not coming from me. This is coming from someone that understands that that relationship was never going to be. It was a very abusive relationship. So it, like you were talking about, it was not a relationship that had any help. She needed to leave. She needed to leave. There wasn't, they couldn't be in proximity. My mom left very young, but it brought her to Jesus. All that pain brought her to Jesus. And in that God heal has healed her, continues to heal her and has redeemed. Like Lori, we were talking about redemption. The story that God is writing of redemption is what God wants to write in all of our relationships, whether it's mother to daughter, mother to son, father, friends, marriages. It's about the story of redemption. And so that is the story we want to see written in all of our lives is redemption. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. Well, I want to remind you that there is absolutely more in you than you could possibly realize. And that you are worthy of love. Thank you for listening to the Awakening Moments podcast today. Like or subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Lori Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. May you be awakened to the moments that matter the most.